Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for a late Church Planner podcast. Yes, and I'm tired, and it makes me grumpier, and I'm afraid of what I might say. <laughs> it does make you grumpier. And and to be fair, it is later than normal. I mean, we actually recorded the whole podcast, and then the recording didn't take. So, Which makes me even more grumpy. Which is why... Um, that's why it's not coming out until Tuesday instead of Monday. That's why I say no to technology. That's why I keep writing you handwritten mail letters. And when I come over on my horse and buggy, I'm like, Pete, look, we can't trust all this technology stuff. we got to move to Pennsylvania and do the podcast from there. I would love to do an Amish podcast. Yes, indeed. We, But, you know, that would be hard, wouldn't it? It would be hard to, like, we'd have to trick the Amish guy into coming on the podcast. Have like you have seen to... the TV show with the, well, no, you don't have TV. They're all fake. No, no, the Those one with the Amish fake. guy. Yeah, they, they, they're fake. Not right? the Amish they're mafia fake. one. It's legit. The mafia. <laughs> they call it the so Amish funny. mafia. That thing is so fake. No, it's legit. <laughs> it's like wrestling, baby. It's legit. Don't you be knocking my Amish mafia. Oh man, that is hilarious! Yeah, we need to get we need to get an Amish guy on here and talk about Amish church planning. So you know, what's a strategy? How do you reach your community? So we don't need to re- church plant. We're gonna get we're gonna get hate mail now. People, are gonna everyone born that. goes to our church. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, how do you have a successful church plant by Peyton Jones? Well, you make sure that everyone born has to go to your church. Yes, Amish Amish church planting, step by step. You know, um, 
before we actually move on to our topic, actually, we should tell everyone what the topic is, and then I'm going to do a little bit more smack talk. Oh, yeah. Okay, so today's topic is Exponential Deuce, part two. So if you don't listen to Hardcore Church Planning, what we started on Hardcore Church Planning last week was a review of the Exponential uh, Conference. And as we like to say, we watched it so you don't have to. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing is it, you know, I had to get up at like 5 a.m., right? Because I'm on like Western time, right? Pacific Standard Time. So I, I watched that thing. Like I get these notices of like, you know, hey, it's starting in 15 minutes. Well, yeah, like just happened to be up at 445. Thanks for telling me. And uh, anyway, so I, I got up and I watched him. Early in the morning, I'd be like, Pete, you take the late ones, right? But uh, I didn't catch them all. But this is kind of like the part two to it. Like, hey, these are the sessions we did catch. This is our sports commentary, kind of like Howard Cassell um, doing our, our, our kind of play-by-play and our takeaways and what we thought. So you couldn't go there because you're working your nine to five. And uh, Pete and I, you know. I don't have a nine to five. Yeah. True that. No, I, I, I'm self-employed. I didn't go to Exponential this year because, honestly, I didn't even think about it. Like, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't like, oh, I really want to go to Exponential. Well, you and I went last year, right? And we were notorious for, like, ditching our booth. <laughs> we we were never stinking there. And, but, and you know, in here's the thing. We, we didn't really attend any sessions unless you were speaking at it. And then... We didn't stick at our booth. I mean, what in the world did we do when we were there? I can't even remember now. I remember we were talking, okay, you ship this stuff back, and I'll ship that. I'll carry this stuff back from our booth. And we just look at each other and go, we're not doing this next year, huh? <laughs> you're like, I don't see the point, man. <laughs> well, I just remember you got like those, uh, those I don't know what to call them. They're like the easy up banners, you know? And we had three of them for, like, one was the podcast and like, Two were for the magazine or something. And I had to literally buy a duffel bag so I can take them with me on the plane to bring them back because they had to be in a bag. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I uh, all I know, man, is we got to test out the dolphin. <laughs> the aeronautical dolphin. That flew Dude, you know what? I will say this. Twice. Here's the thing, man. When, when I go on vacation... <sighs> I don't know how to put this, but I prefer a toilet that's a super flush toilet. You know, the kind where if you're still sitting on it and you flush it, you might actually get sucked down the toilet. <laughs> super flush. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I go on vacation, like in this case, uh, to Exponential last year, I, I rented a room. I didn't realize it because I rented it on, like, I don't know, Expedia or Orbitz, one of those online sites. And it turns out that it was a uh, timeshare. So a lot of times what people do when they have their timeshare and they don't want to use it is they actually rent it out. Right. And so that's what I did. So, I mean, it was a really nice facility. It was, you know, like two or three bedroom. I don't remember what it was. It was a timeshare. But literally the first night I get in there, I like plug up the toilet and I had to like call for maintenance. And so I'm expecting like maintenance to show up and take care of the problem. 
but it's a timeshare. They're like, uh, here's the stuff. You, you got to go take care of it. I'm like, no. Nah. The plunger is in the closet, Mr. Uh, Mitchell. Well, you needed a plunger. I needed a mop. I needed new towels. I mean, it was just like, it was a mess. So I started out exponential on a bad note. That's all I'm saying. Maybe that was the reason why I didn't want to go back. You know, since we're on the topic of toilets and people getting sucked in, you know, <laughs> I I actually saw that uh, the episode. Did you see it? It was I think it was like season one years ago, MythBusters, and they actually they're like, remember that urban myth about the lady that was on the airplane and she got sucked into the toilet? The suction was so great, and they're like, yeah, could that really happen? So they simulated it. They got an airline toilet. They found out you know how much pressure per square inch of suction power that there was. And then they, um, they literally got uh, like a cellulite butt <laughs> and had to be able to create an air seal. So it had to like be mushable and moldable on the toilet. And they tried it. it turns out as a myth, you can't really get sucked into an airplane toilet. You know, I wasn't really thinking you could. <laughs> so... Well, what's really disturbing is you're not even talking about being on an airplane. I'm starting to wonder what kind of timeshares you rent. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, I really like to have a good a good suction toilet. It's one of those things I, I look for. You know, I knew we'd be friends when uh, we were talking one year, and I go, so what did you get for Christmas? And you're like, a poop calendar, a daily poop calendar, a death calendar. I did. 365 days of poop. And and I said to you, you know, it, it's pretty cool. Like, I can tell we're going to be good friends. This is early on. But, you know, what really cemented our friendship was when you'd have a particularly good <laughs> thought of the day, you'd actually photo it and text it to me. <laughs> important to share. That's how I start out all my relationships. <laughs> Poor Jamie. Oh my Your gosh. baby, you've got like the little poop book going through it with her. Now, this dude, is my wife do. is the one who bought me the poop calendar. I wouldn't go buy that for myself. That was a gift. Yes. Indeed, indeed, she knows you very well. <laughs> I, I gotta stop this conversation now because I know, I've got so many hey, stories hey. I'd like to tell that I'm like, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna distract you. A bright shiny objects. Happy Star Wars Day, huh? Mm, Happy May Star Wars Day, you big wookie. <laughs> Oh, dude, did you see my post on Facebook? Okay, I went and saw the Avengers yesterday. Literally, best part of the movie. I'm sitting there, you know, 3D glasses are on, and all of a sudden, it starts with the Lucasfilm. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, no, no way, no way. And it was the Star Wars trailer in 3D on the big screen. What? It was, I was ready to leave. I was like, dude, I don't even need to watch Avengers. I, I literally don't need to watch it. I just, I saw the Holy Grail. I'm ready to go. Wow. I'm telling you, I can't wait. For, I can't wait. The movie's going to be in 3D, dude. You know, it's weird because, you know, I'm just thinking, like, we did this podcast already. <laughs> and it wasn't Star Wars Day. It's almost like this was fated to be. Like, we needed to have this conversation today. But, um but we, when we recorded before, I was like, all right, hey, I got some smack talk. And I asked you, what summer blockbuster, you know, because we're coming up this summer. I'm like, what movie can't you wait to see? <laughs> you go, I tell you, a movie I, I'm definitely not interested in seeing. You totally took my film. I was yeah. like, dang, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, all I'm saying is uh, I'm not 
looking forward in any way, shape, or form to seeing Mad Max. Oh, and I so am. It looks incredibly stupid to me. Yeah, but you know what? If if you were to see a trailer today of Mad Max, come on, how's that going to look, right? What do you mean, how's it going to look? It doesn't even look like it's the same storyline. Oh, no, it's not going to be. Where's I, two I, men I, enter, I, one man leaves? Come on. I I think they're going to tell them. You know, I can't figure it out. I actually haven't read anything about it. But uh, it's funny. I was on another podcast. I was a guest on a podcast line. I actually quoted that. Two men in a one man league. What podcast was it? I was um, uh, Forgetting Walls, which uh, they call themselves the Church Planner Podcast Junior. But uh, they were good, man. <laughs> Junior? Hey, hey! I knew I was in the right place. when Before we get started, he plays a sound bite. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I'm like, okay, I'm home. Do they li- right. do they listen to our podcast? Absolutely, diehard fans. Dude, I I love this. Isn't that great? They're cool guys too. He goes, he asked me, he goes, how many people do you know have listened to your podcast, episode one, all the way to? He goes, mm, about episode episode 122, and then. Because he didn't have any more podcasts at that date, he just went backwards and listened to all of them in reverse order too. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, you get the you get the you are a most diehard fan. Is that what he did? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm kind of hurt that I wasn't asked to be on the seat. Here's the problem, Peyton. You were referenced. Everyone pretty much believes that I have absolutely <laughs> no value to add to the conversation <laughs> at all. It's all. I, I mean. And I, I didn't actually know it. I didn't know much about the interview before I went on, to be honest. To so. be fair, though, that, that's actually a pretty accurate statement. Well, no, you know, I didn't know if it was for the book. I didn't know what it was um, until I actually got on it. I remember sitting on there going, it'd be cool if Pete were on here. So we should we should go back on with the two of us. Well, you know, but I, that would be like the pity, the pity invite. His final question was about our deep love for one another. And, uh, you did know, you tell him did, we have an equal amount of respect and disrespect for each other, and that's why it works so well? He actually quoted that when asking his question. That's the truth. People want to know, you. how do we work so well together? I and just talked about me. I just completely didn't talk about you. I talked about me. Two parts respect, two parts disrespect. <laughs> so, all right, well, what other smack talk we got? Or should we jump straight in? Being Well, you know, I'm actually going to share a... Uh, we got a contact form submission on the uh, Church Planner Magazine website from Michael Crane. And I sent it over to you, so I don't know if you had a chance to read it. Um, yeah, I saw it. It was good. I showed it to my wife. Yeah, So, uh, but I, I'm going to comment on his comment to us. And just say, Michael, you really you owe us a review on iTunes. I mean, frankly, you do. You owe us a review on iTunes. So he wrote this. Hey, guys, I've grown to appreciate your podcast over time. So my first comment starts with it that. Just, just, you know, just stop there a second and, and savor that a bit because that, that was quite. <laughs> Here's the thing that impresses me. What that tells me, I've grown to appreciate your podcast over time. That tells me he didn't appreciate it when he first started listening, but he stuck with it. And if more of our listeners would do that, I think we'd have more listeners today. He was like the Athenians listening to Paul. He was like, what is this Babla trying to say? I think I'll hear more on this matter. 
That's how he went. So he passes this on. Uh, I teach urban church planning and urban missions, primarily in Southeast Asia, but also some at Golden Gate Seminary. I was one of those that endured your smack talk, but now actually enjoy it. See, that's the key I think more people need to understand. If you're sitting there going, oh, man, I can't believe I still got to fast forward through the smack talk. Where's the actual church planning goodness? You just don't really get the beauty of the podcast. The beauty of the podcast is the smack talk. It's just it's going to take you a little bit of time, a little bit of massaging, a little bit of nurturing. Sooner or later, you're going to come around. You're going to appreciate that smack talk even more. That's right. It's kind of like going to the spa. You know, like when you go to the spa to get your manicure, Pete, and you go in there and they give you that little herbal tea, little kombucha, you know, and you sit there in your white robe, bathrobe, and, you know, you, you're smelling pretty. You know, and then they just give you the <laughs> no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Essential oils. I'm just trying to make you uh, uncomfortable because I, I know when I do stuff like that, you're oh. I feel uncomfortable now. Yeah, no, we were talking about that on the last <laughs> recording of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't share that story on this on this version I, of the. Podcast. I started pushing Pete's buttons. Hey, there were a lot of things that can push my buttons. Really, there are. But anyway, um, finishing up uh, Michael's comment, I thought the episode regarding Sunday school was particularly good. I've seen a lot of shoddy children's ministries that pull down the whole church plant. Keep it up. Well, Michael, we appreciate your comment. And uh, actually, we're going to send you a free something just for that. So uh, why don't you also send us your mailing address and uh, probably send you a free book of some sort. And because uh, we got we got those in spades, we got those Absolutely. laying around the place. And uh, but yeah, thanks, Michael. We appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah, we did. And man, that's awesome what you teach. And right away, like when I read that, I'm, I'm like, this guy's a stud. We should interview him. He's I know. Some- that was my thought too. Yeah, and not just because you endure the uh, smack talk and have learned to love it, but like I was saying, you know, it's <laughs> like we give you the little essential oils, the herbal tea, you know, the white bathrobe. And then we come in for the karate chop massage, baby. Then we get you with the church plan. <laughs> Do you remember when then we... It's, then it's not girly hour anymore, right? It's it's man stuff then. We but were then interviewing we- someone for hardcore church planning who listens to the podcast. And when they found out they were going to be on hardcore, they were like <laughs> let down. They were like all dejected. They're like, oh, I'm not going to be on church planner podcast <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, the the cool thing about hardcore is you get the question, the golden question at the end. And they're always good, man. Those are the best questions on that podcast. Yeah. So who'd win in a fight? And we're going to make the question as uncomfortable as we can. You just got to know when you come on a hardcore, we're going to get you. Yeah. So if you aren't listening to hardcore church planning, for those of you who don't like Smack Talk, you've probably already turned it off. But if you don't and you're still listening, hardcore church planning, no Smack Talk. It's all it's all right into the nitty gritty, which is why, on more than one occasion, people have said to me, "I didn't even realize you were on the podcast, Pete, until the very end when you asked the fight question." <laughs> yes, yes. So wookie mistake, yeah, wookie wookie mistake. So, well, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right into the topic at hand. And um, why don't you kick us off, Peyton? Tell us which session you're going to start with, because I think. I think I only caught like one or two sessions. Yeah, so I caught, okay, like I said, I think it was Tuesday morning. It was a dark and stormy night. I can't exactly remember, but um, I caught the session where, okay, just just a little recap, right? On the first day, it was Ying Kai from T4T training, totally worth the price of admission, admission. 
and he was just awesome, man. And I was, I was super impressed with him. Not impressed. Like there's a way that we listen to these conferences in the West that are totally different than how people in the East think about when the people from the East get up there or from developing nations, you got to understand a lot of these guys are in underground churches. You know, they had to blur out Yinkai's face. They're actually in danger of their lives a lot of times, and they're doing stuff that's underground. It's like when we uh, interviewed Saeed Abedini and his sister. She had to review the tape to make sure when we did the video interview for Church Planner Magazine that we weren't saying anything that was going to be incriminating. And or get so- him beat more or anything like that. And we did actually have to cut out about five minutes of the interview. Yeah. And, and so what, what it is is that, you know, the, the guys from the other part of the world, they would, um, the, the, the guys from the developing nations would get on there. And it, this is what really struck me was how different it was uh, when an Easterner and a Westerner got on there. And um, when the Easterner got on there, it was like um, he would just talk like, hey, this is what God's doing, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then when the guys from the West would come on, often it was like a sermon, like it was meant to rouse, it was meant to inspire, it was meant to, and it was such a contrast. And I'm not saying that to be derogatory. I just, I notice these things, you know, I've been a missionary, I lived overseas, um, you know, I'm still shooting and I'm still learning how to be American. I went to Costco first time in like 17 years and shopped there the other day or however long it was since I've been gone and back. Oh my gosh, man. Like we have pretzel buns in America. I forgot about that. I, I felt like I died and went to heaven. I'm like, I can get pretzels all the time. You know, I used to have to wait once a year to go to Disneyland and have those. But like, seriously, though, the, the cultural contrast between these guys is amazing. On our last podcast, I pointed this out. You had a really uh, neat way of kind of putting that. Well, I, I know what you're talking about. And I'll share that story in, in just a second. But what what it, it's kind of struck me uh, in listening to you kind of reformulate that point, and maybe because I've had a little bit of chance to chew on it a little bit, it's the difference in my mind um, between someone teaching you what to do and someone teaching you how to do it. Right. And those are actually two completely different things. In fact, in uh, in marketing. We tell people, you want to tell people what to do, but you don't want to tell them how to do it until they pay, right? The how to do it is what everyone wants, but you first, you got to get them all hot and bothered with the what to do. And to me, that's almost the difference here because the guys uh, in a lot of other countries, they're teaching you the how to do it because they're literally doing it, right? They're, They're in the fields. They're in the trenches, to use that term and actually making it happen. And so to, they're not even thinking about the what, they're thinking about the how, you know, how do I actually execute this? And uh, it's almost like the difference between, um, you know, the intellectual and then the guy who's, you know, on the ground actually taking the ideas and implementing them. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of the difference there. Well, and you put it you put it in another way, you know, and maybe you've, you you don't want to put it in quite these terms. I'm not I'm not saying there's an absolute I'm sure these guys are doers too, but but when you said it the other day, it really clicked. Like there's walkers and talkers. I think in the West we really value guys that can go up on stage and preach a good sermon. 
And, and so we invite them to conferences, we have them speak, but, but maybe they didn't do much. Maybe they haven't really done a lot, but they can really talk. And I remember you saying in the business world, we have the walkers and talkers. And you were saying, you know, a lot of times I've found that the guys who are talking a lot are not the guys walking. These guys would not normally be on a conference stage. And, you know, here they were, they were, they were just walking on stage. They were just telling you, they were actually doing on stage what they very simply are doing to reproduce churches. And that is just walking ordinary people through very ordinary ways laid out in the scripture. In fact, every single one of the speakers from the developing nations who were true multipliers, I mean, thousands upon thousands of believers multiplied in churches planted. And, and they're just going, you know, it's all from the Bible. It's all from the New Testament. Whereas a lot of the sermons from the Western speakers are very detailed, very in-depth, or very poetic, or very uh, maybe even they had a lot of um, method to them, or a lot of um, style, or a lot of finesse. Um, but with these other guys, they were just talking, man. Hmm. No. Yeah, no, it's um, it, there's definitely a difference, and and we did talk about this too that. There is a, a very much an attraction to uh, the big church, right, to the mega church. So if you're the pastor of a mega church, we automatically give you a certain amount of respect, a certain amount of props, if you will. And um, what, it, it, what it really relates to, to me is, is uh, in reading in the New Testament, one of the stories that's really stuck out with me lately has been uh, the story of the master with the servants and he uh, leaves one of them five talents, another one two talents, and one of them uh, one talent. And the guy with the five talents goes out there and doubles it. And, uh, and the master says, you know, um, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you much. And the one with two talents doubles it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you much. And then, you know, the guy with one talent goes out and he buries it. In America, we have this mindset that, one, bigger is better, and two, unless you're the guy with, with five talents, you know, you're not really much, right? We don't look at the guy with the two talents or the one talent, and we go, oh, you know, yeah, you're okay, but you really want to be the guy with five talents. And what's interesting to me, too, in that story is the master says, you've been faithful with little, even though it was the five talent, right? He still calls it little. You've been faithful with little. Saul entrusts you with much. And so what we see is big and what we see is, you know, all this massive stuff really isn't. And a lot of times, and and this is not a a slight or to say we can't learn stuff from guys who did it a while ago. But if it's a church planting conference, you know, why aren't there more church planters, right? It's like some of these guys planted 15, 20 years ago. And okay, that's great, you know, share me some good ideas, but you know what, if you've shared the same story every conference for the last 10 years, um, you know, it's time to get some new blood in there, right? Let's let's hear what other guys are doing in today's day and age with the internet and everything else that's taking up our time. I don't know if that makes any sense, man, but yeah, absolutely. leave it at that. Absolutely, man. Well, and so the first speaker that I got to hear was J.D. Greer. And uh, I was really curious to hear him, um, and I really liked uh, what he said. And I'm reading a book by him right now. The Southern Baptist sent out a copy of his new book, Jesus Continued, 
to, uh, I guess it was to the church planners. I, I'm, that's what I'm guessing. That's probably the list that I'm on. But uh, if, if Jesus continued a book about the Holy Spirit, and he starts off with this incredible story where he just says, you know, I had a young man sitting in my office, and he was talking about, you know, uh, he's frustrated, feeling just kind of lost. And um, he was just saying, you know, the, the, the God of the Bible, I, the more I read the Bible, it just seems like there's all this cool stuff that, that God did in the past. You know, he's a God who used to do a lot of cool things. And, you know, and, and then I read, you know, in the Old Testament, he made bread appear and, you know, from heaven and he did all this go. And then Jesus, you know, you could walk with Jesus and he goes, but no, that, that God, like, where's that God? That's a God I used to, you know, but, but now like God seems distant and, you know, I do stuff for him and, you know, I, I just try to do my bit, and, you know, maybe one day when I get to heaven, I'll have a cool relationship with him and I'll get to interact with him like those guys did long, long, long ago. And then he just goes, you know, um, I didn't know what to say to this uh, frustrated young man in my office. Um, after all, you know, what kind of advice can you really give to yourself? Mm. Uh, and, you know, here he is, he's got a PhD, you know, he's telling you, I was a pastor, it was my office, it, you know. And I just love the presentation of the book. It is very well written. I've never read anything by JD before, but uh, he is a fantastic writer. The book is good. And uh, anyways, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, highly recommended. But uh, he spoke very much about the Holy Spirit uh, in multiplication, which I was very, very happy to see. Um, the Holy Spirit hardly ever gets talked about on this topic. And to me, if a guy doesn't, you know, kind of mention the Holy Spirit, at least at some point in talking about whatever's going on, he's kind of like, you know, opposite the book of Acts. He's kind of like the one book where God goes, hey, guys, this is kind of how the West was won in the first century. This is how church planning started. Um, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit in there, right? Um, Holy Spirit turns up 57 times in that book. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And GD really brought that home, and I, I was proud of him, thought he did well. And then, uh, I don't know, should I stop? Because I, I think we're, we're interacting with each other on this, right? Should I let you talk? <laughs> well, I didn't watch his his talk, so I, uh, preach it, brother. There you go. That's my well, interaction. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing is, you know, I mean, I just thought you might want to interact with that idea, and uh, you might have some thoughts, you know, some thoughts. But, uh, no, sorry, I got nothing for yeah, you. Cool. I got nothing, yeah. All right, cool. Next. So the next guy was Mario Vega, and uh, I don't know, maybe it's Vega, uh, maybe it's Vega. But uh, as far as I can read, it's Mario Vega. He was from, uh, oh, shoot, El Salvador. And mm. he had um, talked about the Civil War and how people migrated away and sought asylum, came to the United States, and he goes exactly what was happening there. There was a house church movement. Um, he goes, they brought it wherever they went. It was kind of like in the early church when there was persecution of the church, they went up to Antioch and it just naturally happened. He said, we didn't, we didn't have leaders. He goes, it, it was like we had leaders who trained, but these movements started just by normal people uh, getting to wherever, whatever country it was, Canada, America, excuse me, America, Europe, and just wanting what they had back home and starting it in their homes. And he made the point, he said, you know, we 
have never planted a church as an organization. But he said, what we have done is received many, many churches. And he started mentioning all the cities. Now, he had a translator. I believe he spoke fluent English based on what I'm about to say. But I think he wanted to, and again, this goes back to highlight that these guys were not there to be the best speakers at the conference. They were not there to wow everybody with their pulpiteering gifts. They were literally up there, and I believe he was up there because he wanted this in the first language of the people he ministered to so that they could show it to, to you know, I believe it was a reproduction tool for him. But uh, Mario Vega, he, he was speaking to the translator, and he started listing off all the cities. You know, we have, uh, and then went to this city. We started in this year, and it, boom, boom, boom. Then it went to this city, and it went to that city, and went to this city. And at one point, um, he miss, he mentions, uh, you know, he's saying them all in, you know, uh, uh, in Spanish. And he goes, Bracelas. And the, the interpreter is this young kid. It might have been his son. I think it was his son. But um, the interpreter goes, uh, and his, his dad goes, Brussels. <laughs> but he just starts <laughs> laughing. And uh, and then and then he his dad says something else, and the guy uh, the interpreter uh, goes, "You didn't say Belgium." No, no. He, he the way you said it last time is he goes, "Oh yeah." He also said uh, Belgium. No, he told him no. You, he he corrected he corrected the speaker, the interpreter, and he goes, yeah. "You didn't say Belgium." And Mario Vega goes, "Brussels isn't Belgium." Oh yeah. And everybody just starts dying, like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know. And uh, and the guy turned, you know, like, beat red. And uh, it was pretty funny. And he, he, he just he just laughs. And, and then he says, you know, I think I'll let him continue now. He seems to be doing well without me. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good. And it, it goes back to that whole um, thing that's so funny, right? That, that saying that says, uh, young men think old men are fools. Old men know young men are fools. It's just great. It's great being an older guy and just seeing that, you know. It's because I'm an old guy. I like that. It's perverse pleasure I have in mind. Yeah, no, it's just, um, I don't know. To me, it's really exciting when you see stuff like that, especially, uh, I don't know. It's you, you and I have had the opportunity to interview some really amazing people. Uh, over the last few years that we've been doing this stuff. And I will never forget when we interviewed uh, Louis. Um, you know his last name because he's like your bud now. What's his, his last yeah, name? Louis DeMeo. Louis, Louis DeMeo. Uh, because uh, like he, he uh, was over in France for, I don't even know how many years he was over in France, um, church planting over there. And it's it's such a different beast outside of the United States. Uh, And and one of the ways that I just remember Louis putting it down was he's like, like you're a Christian or you're not. Yeah. There's none of this cultural Christianity. No, same in Britain. And I mean, it's just, and you know, he, he like for him, he had just come back when we were interviewing him and he was so frustrated uh, being around all the Christians here in the United States and, and even the pastors, because it was just like, it's, it was like a completely different thing. So I love hearing these stories of these guys who are in other countries because it's like, they have to be all in right. 
There's no, yeah. there's no, I'm going to stick my foot in the water. There's no, I'm going to try out this church plant thing. And, you know, if it doesn't take off, then I'll, I'll go get a job again as a graphic designer. It's like you're in or you're not. And it's like, you yeah. got to make it happen, period. That's just the way it is. And Louis was, uh, he was in France for 22 years, a serial church planner in French speaking churches. And uh, he's actually going to come on board with the uh, train station, the church planning train station. Nice. If you guys want a sneak peek at that, it's uh, www.churchplantingtrainstation.com. We haven't launched it yet, but you can get a sneak peek at it. And uh, Louis is going to come on board and be a part of that and help train our guys. So it's cool you gave him a mention. But uh, I thought you were going to talk about when we had Phil on. You know, Phil. I can call him that because we're close. <laughs> But see, that was a totally different topic. Philip. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, and then the next um, talk was uh, Michael Frost. And he, uh, being a fellow grumpy bald man, you know, I can appreciate. He opened up with a brilliant, uh, you know, illustration from uh, Watership Down, which, you know, hey, you had me at cartoons. Right. Anytime a guy mentions a cartoon, I'm going to like it, um, especially one about rabbits. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know why I'm saying that, because there's one watership down and that I have that cartoon memorized. That is such a good story and such a good cartoon. So I don't just generally like cartoons about rabbits or ponies, unlike uh, uh, Dan Torres, who is a brony and a church planter at the same time. I don't know how that can happen. Can that actually happen? Have we proven? See, people aren't going to understand that that reference. You have to explain that. That's okay. They got Google. They can look it up, and then they'll be sorry they did. He then talked about finish. My Little Pony in his sermon. There, that's all you had to say. Uh, absolutely, but it, it goes deeper than that. It, there is actually a community he is a part of, and he's actually quite influential uh, for the gospel in that community. But. Here's the deal. You know, he, he starts off and he says, uh, Watership Down, Michael Frost now. Watership Down is a movie or a film about a band of apostolic rabbits. <laughs> I just thought that was, you know, these insane apostolic rabbits. And if you know the story in the film, um, they're making this crazy journey from a place of security because one of the, the rabbits has this vision and someone else who becomes this incredible leader throughout the film um, see, catches the vision and inspires this group to go out into danger and to do all this. And it was just a great illustration. I mean, that, that was a, a fantastic, you know, uh, part of his, his presentation. And if you know the story, it was rich. Mm. I dig it. Yeah. So, and you know, um, he was, he was quoting Walt Whitman and it was, it was quite a, quite a, uh, an intense, um, bit of, bit of, uh, one, one thing. So, that so, so it sounds like you, um, enjoyed everything that Michael had to say. Well, I was just going in cause we've done this already. <laughs> one thing he said that, you know, I, I, I bring up not to pick on Michael because I actually said something yesterday, um, in my, <laughs> my wife at, we went out to dinner. It's pretty packed out day. We we finally got a chance at dinner to talk. She goes, "Hey, you said this during your sermon. What did you mean by that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Often we say things right where we, we it may not come out as we intended, and it may not come out as we mean it. And then you go away later because I said to my wife, "Yeah, that didn't quite go as planned." 
Um, I, I made one statement and, and I, afterwards I could tell you about it and you'd laugh, you'd know exactly what it was, but, um, but, but anyways, he made a statement. So I don't want to be hard on him because he may not have meant it as it came out. It, it seemed like it was a throwaway statement. Like it just appeared and it popped out of his mouth before he could put it in context. I want to give him the benefit of that doubt. Um, but I, my fear was for the church planners that are there that are thinking, yeah, that's what I need to do, and either missing this context. And again, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but in case that's not, in case it was intentional, you know, just to bring it back around to, but, to but it was just, also the response of the people who who heard it. Well, exactly, and that's where I got concerned. I thought, oh, hold on, because sometimes when you make a throwaway statement, you're saying something that could be damaging. Um, just because it's not put in context. I mean, if he meant it, he meant it. I'm sure he'll stand by it and own it. But if he didn't, then, you know, like I said, I want to give him as, as a public speaker, of course, how many times on this podcast have I said things, but, but not here was nearly as many as me. And we can tell by the hate mail. I don't know though. I just think you're a magnet for hate mail. I, I don't know. It's because of what anymore. I say. And you and I know it's because of what I say. And most of the time <laughs> my reaction is, look, if they can't take that, they shouldn't be a church planner. <laughs> yes. To which you go, yeah, no, 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 hold on. We need to cut that. <laughs> so absolutely. We say we never edit this show, but the truth is I almost wonder if our entire last episode got edited by God. <laughs> you know, it's entirely possible. God was like, um, yeah, you remember how you prayed? Uh, let me answer that for you right now. This absolutely. one's not going out. So let me just say the statement and, you know, again, not, not, not sure how Michael meant it or whatever. So, but here's the deal. This was a statement. He was talking about telling the story and the whole context of his talk was that, and it was a good point. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a uh, professor in a, in, a, in a seminary. And so, you know, he's thinking a lot of concepts and theory and stuff. And, and it was a helpful theory. He was saying, look, um, your mission needs a context of story to operate in. And so he was talking about, you know, the gospel and that story and on and on. And um, the, the, the story inspires mission and multiplication. And so Watership Down, they had these old stories they're going back to, which was like Eliphorah and um, Frith, who is the God character. Eliphorah would be kind of like the, um, you know, the Adam, the first rabbit, and, you know, on and on. And so he was talking about story, that story inspires. And so the gospel becomes our story. But what he said was, don't tell me the same old story about how Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he rolled his eyes when he said it. And it just gave an, an effect of like, you know, and then he goes, I've heard it so many freaking times. And he said, tell me how to live. And, 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 and okay, like to a certain point, I... I, you know, in, if it were qualified, if it were, I could, I could give them the, like, I think I know where you're going with that, but people started clapping and I went, you know, in my heart, my heart sank because the reality is, you know, that that story, the story of the death and the resurrection, the, the you know, the heart of redemption, that is uh, the story that people need to hear um, over and over and over again, and the the gospel needs to be preached. When you're when you're reading 
um, the, you know, the book of Acts, that is what they preach. They preach a crucified, risen Lord and Savior. They preach that. And so, you know, um, Paul, of course, in Galatia, uh, he writes them in the letter to the Galatians. And we know that he, he doesn't mean all I did was talk to you about Christ and crucified. He's, he's making a point that, look, I, I labor to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. He means by that grace, really. And so, you know, not taking that out of context. But still, the point is, I would say that Americans in particular need to have the death and resurrection preached to them, um, the death of Christ. Well, you know, it's it's not just that. It, the way that I look at that, you know, we kind of talked about this even after we did the last podcast recording. If if the the resurrection story is tired to you, you've heard it so many times. Know that that is a you thing, not the other person. And yeah. what I mean by that is. Even in our cultural America, most people don't regularly attend church. Like, I look at Long Beach, and I look at the people who now go to our church in Long Beach. Um, most of them, I, I doubt they, they ever went to church, like, ever in their life. Yeah. And if I'm sitting there and, and I'm not, but if I was sitting there going, Oh yeah, I can't tell them the resurrection story. I mean, that's all we ever talk about. That would be a me thing, not a them thing because it's new to them. It's absolutely yeah. new, but, and it's not just the, the fact that all of Christianity hinges on this one story. It's not just that it's the fact that literally all of eternity hinges on that one story. Like the yeah. significance of that story of what went down there cannot be downplayed. It can, I mean, that's, that's the whole game. That's it right there. That's where, where Satan was defeated and we were saved was right there in that moment in time. And how, how can Absolutely. that get old? How can that get old? No. And, and, and when it does get old, it's a sign normally that, that there's something, you know, and again, I'm not saying this about Michael. I, I don't know what the context was. I don't, again, it could be like my statement on Sunday. Maybe though not. But here's the deal is that uh, as we're, so, like you said, like the more frontline on mission I go, the more powerful the cross becomes. And I know that the apostles were constantly on mission you read the epistles, all they're doing is unpacking the death and resurrection. It was grace and power, grace and power. Um, your old life uh, being done away with at the cross, your new life beginning in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look so at, look at how many people, too, have been saved by uh, people who told the resurrection story and they were the worst public speakers ever. But yeah. there was something about that story that was so powerful yeah. that they got saved. And, and, and historically in the church, like we're, what I fear for American Christianity right now and, and, and what I fear in general about the West is that Christianity is so much in decline that what happened in, what happens in America usually is on the same trajectory as what's happened in Australia and Britain. And so, so what happened in both of those nations is that um, they began, this is how the reasoning went. You know, we've been preaching this old gospel and people are leaving the church 
And what we need to do is be more accessible, more relevant, more of this. I'm not arguing that we don't, but, but follow the thinking now. Um, we now need to downplay some of the truths that, you know, or maybe people are just tired of hearing this stuff and that stuff. And so now we got we to gotta talk about this or that. And, and the whole deal is whenever liberalism begins to creep up, um, the cross takes a backseat. So Charles Spurgeon, historically, right? He, you know, his, his biographers say that he went to the grave a little bit early because uh, of his depressions and, and some of the traumatic events that happened in his life. One of those, and, and probably the most significant in his later years, was something called the downgrade controversy. And what he felt was the truth was being downgraded, that it wasn't so much what people were saying from the pulpit that concerned him. It was what they weren't saying anymore. And again, it was things like expiation, you know, the, the idea that it was an angry God punishing Jesus on the cross. So over a hundred years ago, right, as far back as into the 1800s, this stuff, even back then, people were going, oh, people don't want to hear it. People won't believe that anymore. And yet, statistically and historically, statistically years ago, they, 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 those are the truths. People who, and particularly evangelicals, who preach the death and resurrection of Jesus, those are the churches that grow with non-believers. They are the ones that thrive while everyone else is declining. And so I'm looking at that, that room full of Christians, and I hear the applause, and I'm thinking, you guys are just following the downward slope of history if you think what we need to stop doing is preaching the cross. Because in Britain a few years ago, they were like, hey, let's look at the churches that are actually growing. And every single one of the churches that were actually growing were evangelical churches. And the liberal churches that were like, hey, let's change our message, let's change this, those churches were shrinking. And again, I don't know where Michael was coming from. It could have been a throwaway statement. He might need need a chance to say, hey, you know, it came out wrong, you know, whatever. But that said, um, I was more concerned about the reaction of the audience and the impression that church planners would have. Everyone's going to make their own uh, their own decision, but it was kind of like um, Jim Putman said, you know, two years ago at Exponential, where he goes, "Hey, I was in sports all my life, and I like winning. You know, team, I want to win, man. So if you guys are our church planting out there, I want you to win. I want you to be able to strike the touchdowns, man. And uh, and so for me, I was just like, man, I hope that the and I actually at that point, I actually was just like, Lord, you know, just if that. Just strike that from people's minds because, like you said, right, we're reaching people that don't normally go to church and they're getting off drugs and crack and heroin. And um, there was a young family uh, that I talked with, African-American family from uh, the park, from the barbecue the week before. And man, I'm telling you, that church was packed last week. And every week after a barbecue, we're seeing people coming in from off the streets, man, who never go to church. Yeah, because you even mentioned that. You're like, man, it's packed. I go, well, we just had the barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Give it yeah. two more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this church sucks. <laughs> no. No. It's too far then. So, Pete, what did you uh, – so, uh, anyways, but all that to say, and otherwise, um, very helpful talk, you know. Um, really, really appreciate the cartoon. And I actually tweeted his quote and put – Cartoons, hashtag cartoons make the best illustrations. And they do. 
Of course they do. Yeah, so um, I honestly don't remember the last name of uh, one of the guys that I had the chance to um, listen to. But he's a church planner in Long Beach, so I knew I was going to like it because that's where we're at. And uh, his name is Jerry. Was it Jones? No. No. Uh, They actually invited uh, Mr. Peyton Jones to not attend this year. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, huh? They extended the Pete Mitchell invitation, which is no invitation at all. So um, anyway, it was really interesting listening to Jerry because – the story that like really jumped out at me and I, in fact, I wrote it down. I was like, okay, this, this is, these are some key points here. Um, did I say Jerry? I think it was Larry, Larry. Oh, Larry Walkemeyer. There you go. Sorry. I was saying Jerry and I'm looking at my notes. I wrote Larry. I'm like, no, it's not Jerry. It's Larry. Anyway. Um, so he's telling the story of his church at the beginning stages. They were $30,000 in the red. And they're in the middle of doing a baptism. And, of course, you know, if you're a church planner right now and you're in that situation where you don't have much money and you're looking at your church and you're like, we're in the red or we're not going to be able to make rent or we can't make payroll or whatever it is, you'll understand exactly what he's going through, right? It's on the forefront of his mind. And they're doing a baptism. And he's baptizing this guy and the guy's a homeless guy. And he's like saying to God, oh, God, he can't help. He's homeless. You know, dunk. Next guy comes up. Great. He just got off of heroin. God, he can't help. He doesn't even have a job yet. Dunk. You know, right? And all these thoughts are going through as all these people <laughs> are coming up to be baptized. And if you're in like the hood like we are, you can really relate to this, right? Because <laughs> we've said so many times. The bigger our church gets, the more mouths we have to feed, not the more money we get, because we feed everyone breakfast every Sunday. And, I mean, it's just the way it is. So you can totally understand where this guy is is coming from. And he said it was if uh, God spoke directly to him and just said, do you think you can outgive me? And, And it was like all of a sudden it just, you know, grabbed his attention. And he's like, okay, this is crazy. Of course I can't outgive God. And sometimes you just have to be reminded of that, right? Yeah. When you're in these yeah. these financial uh, straits and you're like, you know, what should I do? In fact, I mean, this came up for me on Saturday in my mastermind group. I was telling you about this, and, and this was actually something that happened after we recorded the last uh, attempt at our podcast. You know, I've, I've got a mastermind group with uh, business leaders, um, Right now, they're all in the U.S., though we've had uh, people in there from the Bahamas, things like that. They're all business guys. And one guy, it turns out, after he became a client of mine, and I think was even part of the mastermind group, it wasn't until later that I discovered that he was an elder at a uh, Calvary Chapel in Florida. And it was like, oh, no wonder we like each other, right? I mean, you know, we're both on the same team, same team, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so one of my buddies who's on the the mastermind call um he's christian but i would say he's probably cultural christian i don't know what it really means to him um i don't think it's uh it's at this stage more than just you know well you know we're we're christians because you know culturally we're we're christians you know maybe maybe you know twice a year go to church that kind of a thing and um 
And we usually uh, we, we've shortened it up. We've shortened it down to two hours. It used to be three hours, so we went from nine to eleven, and um, and we just weren't done talking. So we were just staying on it and talking. And all of a sudden, it turned towards the talk of God and the talk of giving and things like that. And so he was bringing this up of giving, and and he just says, "Yeah, you know, I'm really torn because I, I know I need to give tithing. So I don't know. Maybe he is going to a church somewhere. I literally have no idea." Um, and he's like, you know, but you know, uh, I'm always thinking, yeah, but I want that buffer, you know, I want to have a little bit extra money there just, just in case. And, and so, I mean, it was, it was like perfect timing. So then, you know, I, I brought up the story of, you know, you can't outgive God. And, uh, I brought up, uh, you know, some of the, the changes that, that God had been pointing out to me. I think that I even shared on one of our last podcasts, um, from, uh, I think it was Malachi, isn't it? Last book of the uh, old Testament. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Malachi three, you know, where it's talking about uh, the Israelites and tithing, and you know, God's point was, you know, you're stealing from me, and then He goes on to say, you know, bring your tithes to my house so that there'll be food. Put me to the test and see if I won't uh, deliver all of your needs, not all of your wants, right, but all of your needs, and um, and and to me, so I I just. It, it was great. It was great having heard that guy's story uh, at Exponential, getting into a conversation with another guy where we're talking about, you know, should I be giving and, and you know, what should I be giving? And, and, of course, I had to say, hey, by the way, if you if you want a church that uh, you need to give that money to, <laughs> let me tell you about one in Long Beach that could really use it. <laughs> and um, and the other thing that, that he said during his talk that just really uh, stood out to me is he said, when was the last time you attempted something that was so big, if God wasn't in it, it couldn't happen? Mm. And I loved that because you and I have talked many a time about God's either in something 100% or nothing. God yeah. never like puts his toe in the water. He's not like, well, you know, I'm in this one 10%. Or I'm in this one 20%. Yeah. He's either yeah. in it or he's not in it. I mean, yep. and, and we saw that with our last Kickstarter campaign. We literally ended it trying to raise $6,000. We ended it at $6,000, like <laughs> on the dollar, right? You know, like not over, just boom, right on it. And um, I mean, so I, I, and, I mean, and, and I can honestly say, I mean, 6000 I wouldn't say is, you know, something so big. Uh, but the reality is if God wasn't in that, we wouldn't have even raised that. Well, and we, we wouldn't have made that. We had a guy, and I've been sworn to secrecy about who it was, but he basically goes, hey, uh, when's your Kickstarter coming? And I told you know, I told him. And he goes, hey, uh, you know, JC told me I should take you the rest of the way. <laughs> and I go, great. And he did, and then no one else gave after that. So it was goes, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was a few days before it ended. He goes, uh I probably should have asked how much before, uh, <laughs> and I, I said something like, "Oh, it's you know, it's about twenty three hundred, might have been twenty seven. I can't remember." And he goes, "Yeah, that's about what I thought. That's what I anticipated." And it was just God talked to him. God just told him, "Hey, you just tapped him like, hey, go uh, call Peyton and, and drop some, you know." Take you know, you should send him a text and say, "By the way, is JC sending telling you anything else lately?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any leading about Refuge Long Beach at all. Right? <laughs> you're like, you're like, I, you know, I just want to check in, you know, see, see if anything's come up. 
Hey, remember that time where, you know, JC told you to drop some money on the Kickstarter? Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, we're doing another Kickstarter, only this time we're calling it just wait, regular weekly offering. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if we don't have $100 up here, I don't preach. The Kickstarter don't happen. Dude, I remember... Uh, this one time, we, my, when I was a kid growing up, we went to this one church, and, and I won't tell any more specifics about the church because I don't want people to like actually figure out which one it was. But it was really you, interesting. Do you think people knew that I was doing Creflo Dollar right there? I didn't until you said that. Okay. I don't right. watch Creflo Dollar. Come on. What? I'm a Christian. What? You know about his $65 million Kickstarter campaign, right? I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, maybe he was doing something that was so big. If God wasn't in it, no way it could happen. I'm just saying. This, this conversation is spiraling down the drain. We're, we're basically back in the toilet now. You know, so all right. I'm, I'm going to pull back my story. I'll save that one for another time. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, now everybody's hanging on the edge of their seat. It wasn't that good. And I've certainly let it down by this point, so. I'll sneak well, yeah. it up at another time. Honestly, the Creflo Dollar reference you just made was even better than my story. So, oh, Right on, man. Well, hey, look, before we get off here and uh, spare our listeners any more pain, is there anything else you want to add? It, this was our play-by-play. It was our chance. I mean, really, I think, confessedly, we both listened to the first session. You might have caught the, the second session. I listened to the third one. I think you listened to the fourth one. And that was pretty much it, right? I mean... You know, we probably got through half the sessions of Exponential. So, guys, we listened to half of it so you didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own for the second half, man. I just remember, yeah, and if you didn't hear our review on Hardcore Church Planning, you do need to go back and hear that because um, that was a great, great session on Hardcore Church Planning that, that we reviewed. So. Yeah, I, I was muting for the train that was going by, but uh, but yes, it, it it actually was good. But somebody somebody, it's so funny when people get used to stuff, right? Somebody was um, going, "Hey, hey, I thought this was hardcore. How come there's no interviews? Just Peyton and Pete. This is like the other show." Did they really? Yeah, but you know what? You know what? Tell them we'll give them their money back. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. You do make that money back guarantee. I do. That is true. I will I, tell them to send me a receipt. And I will pay them back for whatever they paid to listen to that Hardcore Church Planning episode. Well, you know, speaking of shows that you can't take your eyes off, I was flicking through Amazon Prime. And this this is because I have nothing else to say about the exponential that I saw. But, but this was fascinating. I have, you know, since I was very young, like Mr. Rogers, as you can imagine. Did you like that? I was like, I felt like a, you know. An interview like that was. I'd rather keep going. I don't want to think about Mr. Rogers. I told you his puppets freaked me out. Oh, dude. Well, you know, Brandon Brooks sends me this uh, this uh, text in the week. It freaked me out. Brandon was, Brooks is a Hollywood actor. You shouldn't he, be he talking is. to him. He's evil. He's evil. Hey, hey, you know what? He was down here the other day. Um, I, I hung out with him last. Uh, Last week, early in the morning, I think it was Saturday morning, a week ago, Saturday. See, I don't even get invites. Rap video. I don't even get invites to hang out with Brandon Brooks. That's how low on the totem pole I am. Well, he was down. He was down in Oceanside filming a rap video. Oh, was and he I really? Said, well, yeah, I was like, what, what, what part are you playing? He's like, oh, I'm the abusive boyfriend. I <laughs> go, you're the white trash, are you? He goes, yeah. 
but uh, but you know, it was super funny because um, where was I going with that? I have he no said, idea. Oh, he sent me uh, Lady Elaine Fairchild's head for sale on eBay for fifteen bucks, and I tried to buy it, but it hooked up to my international account. I was going to buy it and send it to you. It'd be kind of like you know, it's <laughs> in the box. Don't. I was going to send it to you. Don't send me that crap, dude. Where do you? It was going to say what's in the box. You know, I was going <laughs> to call you. I was going to track it and wait till it came to your house. And call you and go, John Doe has the upper hand. Abort, abort. I repeat, John Doe has the upper hand. You were going to open it and be all traumatized. What's in the box? Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. If you haven't been a listener of the Church Planner podcast, you have no idea what we're referencing right now. So anyways, so all that to say, um, I was actually going somewhere. So I'm watching back from the seven reference to Mr. Rogers, you know, natural but uh, I was watching um, Mr. Rogers with my daughters tonight because on Amazon Prime, you can watch the whole first uh, season of it for free. And the, the funny thing is, he never changed, dude. Like, from the color, you know, into the 80s until the very first season. And uh, I posted not long ago this thing on uh, Facebook where he goes in front of Congress and he's in a special hearing about television. And uh, you can watch clips of him where he's like with uh, Joan Rivers. Uh, he's he's being interviewed by her. I'm telling you, that dude was a, a minister, a uh, Lutheran minister. And he actually uh, was a roommate and went to seminary with R.C. Sproul. But that dude knew his calling. And he just had a weight of authority, although we all make fun of him. Um, he, he's become a hero of mine. I'm I'm fascinated by that dude because he was he was prophetic for his generation. And uh, anyways, all that to say, he needed to get better dolls. That's all I'm saying. I know that you're like just fascinated by my my take on this, but but just saying, my girls, a two year old and a six year old, were absolutely glued on him uh when we watch him tonight and it was in the 60s liberty kept going is this like the wizard of oz does like daddy does color come into it and i was like no babe but uh but it was it was fascinating he was talking like he was talking i i I hope our podcast listeners are like this too because he sits down he's singing when he walks in the door he sits down (laughs) he's putting his shoes on he goes how are you doing with tying your shoes and Liberty goes, I'm learning still. <laughs> she's talking she in the whole show. She's six years old and smarter than me, but she's like wrapped at rapt attention. He I'm telling you, dude, he's got he's got the world under his spell, man. You watch him and you're six again. I'm not playing that for my son. That's all I'm you saying. You need to get on there, Pete. You need to get on there. My son and, went and, to Disneyland today and apparently Jamie took him on the Snow White uh Ride whatever one that one's called, and and it, there's the scene where the witch is talking in the mirror, and then when she turns around, she's the witch. And oh, that's freaky as heck. Apparently, it scared the crap out of him so bad he cried the rest of the ride. And when he got off, he just was like, "Get me out of here! I don't want to be here anymore. That's I'm not awesome, putting my dude. kids through the, the crap out of me. I'm not putting my kid through the Mister Rogers torment." Well, I know you can. Okay, do this though. Put on Mister Rogers, and when the trolley comes through Mister Rogers' living room, even the trolley freaked me out. Just run. That thing's demonic. There's no yeah, driver. You know what happens? 
Yeah, but this is always the routine, right? Like, he calls Edgar, right? Somehow the traffic light is a telephone, and he calls Edgar in make-believe land that way. He unfolds the bed, and then you know Mr. McFeely's going to knock on the door about that time. And then you know to get the heck out of the room before Charlie comes, right? That's your signal. All right, so apparently i got to cut the last five minutes of the podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> Let's okay. wrap it up, dude. We gotta We're back go. in the toilet. We're back in the toilet. Okay, well, hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast, where we have been talking about our play-by-play of the sessions we actually watched and Mr. Rogers and the stuff that freaks Pete out on Mr. Rogers, particularly Elaine Fairchild. Google her at your own peril. Thanks for joining us tonight. This has been the Church Planner Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church